Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Hourglass of Isabella. Let's make sure this audio is working nice and smooth tonight on our great Yeti microphone. Happy Mabon, by the way, as we've now left the last day of summer and we approach the autumnal season, which I know so many of you guys, my viewers, love and enjoy, and you're really into that Halloween aesthetic. Well, guess what? We're getting right into it. And on that note, to keep in theme with this beautiful season, our topics are going to be a little bit spooky or creepy coming on here as we get closer to All Hallows' Eve. Tonight's episode is going to be a little bit of a different one. As you know, I usually have a guest on. I like to have someone, whether it's Daniel or a friend or a celebrity speaker, come in and talk, and we discuss various topics together so that it's a conversation. Tonight, I'm going to be doing a solo podcast and a slightly difficult topic of that, but as you guys know, I'm a fan of tackling difficult topics and making them more palatable so that you can listen to it and understand the topic. So, tonight I figured as I'm by myself sitting on the patio here in the moonlight, enjoying the last feelings, the fleeting feelings of summer, I felt that a great topic would be to discuss stalkers. So, this is a topic, and it may, some, some people listening to me are like, how's that even a topic, Isabella? <laughs> You'd be surprised. It is a very real thing that many men and women in the world have to deal with sincerely. And I think many women specifically listening to this podcast, and in fact, interesting fact, most of my viewers are female, and I love that, girls. Keep that up. I think that's awesome. I love that we have a higher percentage of female viewership. It really brings me closer, you know, to you in that sisterhood way. So on that note, we're going to discuss stalkers, and most of you, unfortunately, will have probably dealt with this at some point in your life, and that is, it's a difficult thing to say or approach, right? You know, we did a uh, podcast on suicide, and again, it was kind of like, okay, this is a difficult topic to approach or talk about. So as usual, I'm going to throw in these trigger warnings here. We will be discussing sensitive topics. So if this in any way is upsetting to you, take a break, go get that coffee or that hot chocolate, go put on a great movie, treat yourself to a bath, do something else. This is a time to switch off. But if you're interested in listening and learning more about this, then stay tuned. So, I think most of us in our lives have at least understood the concept of stalkers and stalking. You know, we have, um, we have movies that are dedicated to this, right? We have TV shows that are dedicated to it. Well, even recently, there's that TV show on Netflix. I know that it's you or your, yours, whatever it is, it is a whole show dedicated to a guy who is essentially an actual uh, psychopath, not a sociopath, I'm saying a psychopath, and there is a difference, and we could do a whole podcast just detailing the difference between those two things, but this guy is a psychopath, isn't he actually, you know, he murders people and ha has that complete loss of control, but still charismatic, charming, truly believes that he's in love, with his target and it's true love. And if you watch it, the fucked up thing about this show is 
you kind of sympathize with the guy. You're kind of watching it and you're like, oh yeah, he kind of seems like this anti-hero, right? I've had so many friends of mine say that, whereas in reality, what they're trying to express to you is that it is this dark, terrible thing. And the guy is actually evil, like evil incarnate. He has killed multiple girlfriends and stalked them before he even dated them. So stalking is a very dangerous thing in my mind. So how does stalking happen? What is stalking, right? Stalking is where you essentially develop an unhealthy obsession with another person that is unreciprocated on their side. So if you love someone, you're like, wow, I love this person so much. I'm obsessed with that person. And the other person is like, yeah, you know, me too. I love you so much. And I want to hang out with you all the time. We're texting each other 24 seven and we're calling each other on Skype for hours, right? That is a healthy relationship in the sense that the, the desire is equal on both sides. So you're both feeling as into it as one another. So the advances aren't unwarranted or undue right whereas the problem with stalking comes is where someone still feels that way chemically and we talked about this on the podcast dedicated to love and the chemicals going on in the brain there you love someone you're actually really thinking that they're the one right they're the one maybe that tv show is actually called the one maybe it's you or the one if you are a listener and you've, you know what netflix show that i'm talking about it's like this guy and he restored books for a living from his father and he has a cell in his basement that he stores his girls in it's terrible terrible show but still intriguing and engaging going back to the original point here Bo, is that you know you you develop this obsession that is very one-sided and ultimately unfortunately unhealthy but in your mind you're actually in love because of those chemicals you're like hey this person is in love with me they just don't see it yet even if you don't feel that way even if you completely detest a person do not want to be around that person in any sense of the word and perhaps you've even told them hey look you know i'm i'm just not interested that doesn't mean that you know i don't care about you as a human being but I'm not interested in engaging in a serious relationship. And most people, to be fair, when they see that, say, okay, totally fine, I'll back off. Sorry for the the lack of intentional understanding there, misunderstanding about my intentions, and I will back away. And that's what a normal, healthy person would do. When it becomes stalking is where someone ignores that, and instead of listening to your words... They listen to the own story in their head, which is a different, it's a whole different story, right? It's like, oh, she's just saying this, he or she is just saying this because they're playing hard to get. Yeah, no, they totally want, they're just, they're just testing me. This is a test and I have to surpass this and then I can be at this place and then they'll love me. So if I just do this or I I just send these flowers or this gift or etc., or if I show up at their house or visit them, I'm sure I can change their mind. No, I'm certain I can change their mind, right? That's what the person is thinking. Truly. But in reality, on your side, you're like, hey, I just don't want this. I want nothing to do with it. And it only becomes dangerous. There's different degrees of stalking. It kind of has this whole, you could write this whole gradient 
chart sheet out to us how rapidly it can develop and the different stages of stalking, right? Some of it's very harmless. If it's online, I think we've all been there where it's like, okay, you have an ex-partner and you kind of want to check up on them. And because it's so easy to do now with social media is a problem. It's so easy to access people at the, you know, the tip of a finger, right? You can just click and there they are. There's the person. You can see what they're doing, who they're dating, what their lives is. Because we make everything available in our lives now every moment of the day. You know, we're putting up our Instagram posts and our TikToks and our Facebooks and our videos. And suddenly everything's very dangerously accessible but it is a quite normal thing I'll say if you have ever been in a position where you're like okay it's been maybe even a couple of years and you're like well let's see how this partner is doing because of course you were in love with them and the feelings were shared and then you're like okay I want to see how this person is doing and maybe there's a bit of schrottenfreude there which is that sense of you know you kind of want to see that you're doing better than that person you're like let's see if my life is better than theirs and maybe the person I'm dating is hotter than that partner right that's the whole thing I think people fall into that trap of needing that validation to check on their partner's Facebook or whatever it ends up being but the point is that's the low level stalking that's okay if there's interest in this girl in school or at my work or a guy whatever it is and you're looking online you're like well I'm just going to see what they're interested in, right? That's harmless enough. See if we have any common interests. See if there's anything we could strike a conversation about. That's low-level stalking. And it goes up from there, you know. That's the least harmful variety, which most people, I think, have done or encountered several times in their lifetime, for real. That is a very normal thing. The next step is where someone's like can take that further it's not just oh you know i want to look at this person or this stranger online it's you know i i need to contact them so someone will reach out to you and if you're a girl and you're on facebook you probably definitely experience this especially in your others inbox or your dms as we call it wherever a bunch of guys and they're messaging you and it's hey and a lot of it's unwarranted like it's things like unsolicited dick pics things that I will let everyone listening know nobody wants to see that and if you ever think that is going to be a successful opening line to a real relationship or that that will get you laid or bed that is just it just doesn't work that way and I'm sorry if you've been misinformed that showing a part of your body or genitalia is going to do the trick but it will do the opposite effect where it is repulsive and we instantaneously turned off and like, oh my God, got to block that person. You got to not even engage with that because it's so unwarranted and abrasive. So ask yourself, you know, would you like a guy sending you a random picture of their dick in your inbox? And if the answer is no, turns out the girl probably doesn't want to see that either. And that doesn't mean that later on down the line, if you've got a healthy relationship, that she doesn't want to see your tackle or get in bed or have healthy relations with you, right? It's just as an opening line, it's not successful. You're better off actually skipping the one-liner and actually saying something thoughtful and engaging with the other person. You know, that applies regardless of their gender. The same thing applies in the opposite. I wouldn't, I would hope that girls wouldn't immediately just send a nude to a guy either, thinking that would somehow be successful or wanted because 99.9% of the time 
it's just not wanted. And that's something important, I think, to keep in mind. So that's the next step, is the unwarranted sending of things. And the answer would be that, okay, we don't respond to that. You send a thing, we don't respond to it. Where it reaches and escalates on the next scale is where you know that whatever you've done is unwarranted. The person clearly does not want it. And you go further than that. You're like, well, now I have to engage in conversation with this person. I have to talk to them, even though they've not responded, right? And then the person responds to you and they say, hey, look, I'm really not interested in this. I'm not looking to do this, etc. Sometimes can be very polite, but often that doesn't matter. And then the next step is where the person has said, okay, I'm not interested. I don't want this. And there are two gradients here, by the way. So the one is where, you know, you've, you've done the, the unsolicited approach angle and they didn't respond and you still respond further. And then they say, hey, I'm not interested. And you respond on top of that. The other angle is the friend zone angle, where you have been talking to someone as friends, and maybe you guys had a good friendship going, or really good communication together, and she was happy to talk with you, or he was happy to talk with you, or they were happy to talk with you, whatever it may be. And uh, you tried to push it out of a friend zone, right? You were like, hey, I want to date you, or I'm the love of your life, or I need to do this, and the person is uncomfortable, and they just say, hey, no, I don't feel this way. And that's where you should stop. That's healthily where you say, okay, this person doesn't feel this way. And to be honest, I think it, I would imagine it would be unattractive on the other side. Like I couldn't imagine being in the shoes of a guy where a girl has said, hey, I just honestly don't want this. I would be at the position where I'd be like, okay, that hurts me, definitely. It's definitely painful, it definitely hurts. And I would be like, they don't want me, so I don't want them anymore. And then I would go and instead spend my energy on someone who wanted that or wanted the time and reciprocated those feelings. That's a much healthier outlet. So let's say you've gone down this friend zone path and you're desperately in love with this girl and she's not reciprocating, not reciprocating, but you keep trying, you're like, well, maybe this week, maybe if I do this. Right, and this is where we start to get into the what I call the, the red zones, the danger zones of stalking, is where the person has clearly made it clear that their intentions are, they are uninterested in you. There's no black or white, but it's a, no gray area going on, it's just very clear. You know, and you know that you're breaking that. You know what you're doing, you know that you're at the point where you're like, okay, I'm just engaging with this person anyway, because I believe that I'm clever or smart enough that I can make it work, right? And where it gets dangerous is where you start asking for someone's address, where you start saying, hmm, I need to find out where this person lives. You know, I need to go and talk to their friends and ask for their address. So I'm going to go on Facebook, look at the friends, ask for this person's address, again, unsolicited, unwanted, and hope, perhaps if I can fake it as a friend, one of them will inadvertently give me the address and then so you go one step further we're getting deeper into the red zone danger here you get the address and you're like okay i'm gonna send this girl or guy whoever it is roses unsolicited again unwanted i'm gonna send flowers and i'm gonna send these beautiful bouquets because i'm certain if i send something as beautiful they will know my real feelings and that i'm really in love with them right that's the idea it's still at this point can be fairly harmless but I don't think they see how scary 
it can be on the other side where the other person receiving this that is very clearly already said no is suddenly terrified is suddenly like oh my god now they've gotten a hold of my address now they're sending gifts in the mail you know and it doesn't have to be flowers it can be clothes or, or objects or letters of passion like hey just give me this chance just do a b and c and it will be okay because again they're still certain in their mind that it's going to work out and that they're going to win you over and that's where again it becomes dangerous and unhealthy and then of course the next escalation point from here is events or public spaces such as you know bars restaurants concerts you know you're out and suddenly learn behold the person is there and maybe maybe a couple of times you might even think well it could be a coincidence they could just be here seeing this band because they like the band as well and sometimes that is really the case that it's not purposeful and you're misreading it or that you're as women we especially tend to have this like already guarded sense on us which is completely accurate so we can be a little bit paranoid about things understandably but on the other side of that sometimes it's not paranoia sometimes your gut is right and that person has really looked on your social media talked to your friends found the address found the place you're going to and has gone out of their way to show up at that venue to make it look like they just happen to be there right they're just there because it's their favorite band whatever it is and you can get away with that a couple of times I found like if I've I've had experiences of that in the past where people have shown up at uh, nightclubs and things especially if they're like in the vampire or goth community right we have an alternative scene here in Denver you would be like okay this person's in the alternative scene it's not that much of a stretch of imagination to believe that they might also be at this event but where it becomes different in the scale that I'm warning you guys about is when you start to see this person when you're like doing your laundry, okay? Or when you're walking out of your apartment and you see this person across the street, okay? When you're in an event and the person is in a car waiting and watching you outside of a venue, which is which has definitely happened to me in the past several times to a point where I've had to call the police and in fact had the person taken to jail not once but twice. That's where it becomes dangerous and unhealthy. And then, of course, it escalates from here. Next one is where they show up on your property. Okay, they, they show up at your house, at your private residence, without your consent, without your knowledge. And they're there because they think, well, you know, if I just show up in person, then I'm sure I can make this work. And there are different ways this can happen. One is like this covert way, with which I have experienced in the past, which is where, I'll give you an example of this. Uh, a couple of years, well, it was actually last year, it wasn't even a couple of years ago, last year we were filming uh, a TV show for the Chateau, and there were actually a lot of people on the property, to be fair, but they were taking a lunch break, and so they all went down to a local restaurant to get some takeout and eat some food so that we could get back to the process of filming. I stayed behind so that I could tidy things up, so we were prepared for the next round of filming. I had already eaten, everybody else left, so it was just me alone at the house. And the doorbell rung. And of course, I was thinking, oh, you know, it must be my friends who have come back early from eating, or it's the film camera crew and they've forgotten something that they needed at the property, so they've come back. So of course, I wasn't even thinking, I just totally opened the door. 
And there is a guy, very professionally dressed. He has a clipboard, so again, very professional looking. And he says, um, yeah, you know, I'm with this, uh, this glass window, glass company. And uh, I was wondering if you had a moment, and as he's saying this, and I remember his voice very specifically, because it was very low and slow. And by that, I mean it was, and yeah, I'm with this company, and I'm wondering, as he's looking over my shoulder, is there anyone at home right now? Are you, are you alone? Uh, because I want to I wanna come in, and it won't take two seconds of your time but I want to check your wind, and I was like, no, no, we don't need any of that stuff, thank you, you know, our, our windows are totally fine, which they are, by the way, you know, and, and none of that, and he looks around, and he's like, is there anyone here right now, and I was like, yes, and I lied, I said yes, because I had this gut feeling about it, I said, actually, there's a bunch of people in the basement, and we're filming, that was not true, uh, but they're in the basement right now, and I have a bunch of other people coming back, and they should actually be here any second right now, is what I said. And he said, okay. He's like, are you sure I couldn't come in for a second? He said, it would only take about an hour. He said, an hour. An hour of your time. And I said, I said, no, you know, um, no, thank you. And he said, okay, you know, no worries. And I said, okay, thank you. Goodbye. And I shut the door and I went up the stairs. And as I was looking out the window, he was just standing there in the driveway with his clipboard he hadn't moved like he was still there and I was like well that's strange like if it was anyone else he would have moved and I was like there's no car in the driveway either and that's strange and most people will drive in park their car get out come to the door because it's quite a long driveway right it makes sense but yeah no no car and so he just stood there looking at the house and I got really creeped out by it so I called Daniel and I said hey you know there's this guy in the uh, driveway kind of making me uncomfortable didn't hear back from him so I rang the guy who was filming and I was like hey you know there's this guy he's still here the guy said don't worry I got this I'll come back and we'll film it I'll get the guy on camera and I said thank you I super appreciate that because I think it's really weird because at this point he was like walking around the property looking in windows right very unusual behavior for a professional salesperson so the guy leaves film camera crew comes back Okay, they're like, oh, nobody's here. And I'm like, yeah, this guy was here. It's just, And they're like, you know what, Isabel, you're overreacting. It's totally okay. And I said, you know what, you're probably right. He was probably just a really strange sales guy, and I totally just overreacted in that situation. And so then as we're filming, you know, I'm looking out the front window, and I can see the girls at the end of the driveway by the gate, and they're talking to this guy. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's the same guy who was here a few hours ago. He'd come back. So I go to the, the camera guy. I'm like, hey, that's the same guy who was here just two hours ago. And he said, you know what? I've got this. Let's just film this. We'll confront him. And he said, you just stand outside, you know. And I said, okay. So I, I walked on the front of the patio. He saw me. And he immediately started walking towards me. And as he does this, the camera guy pulls up his big camera on his shoulder and starts walking towards him. The guy literally turns around and runs. I'm not even kidding. It wasn't even like he walked away rapidly. He just runs off property, which is super fucking suspicious within itself. And he's gone. He's off property. So you'd think that was the end of that story, right? That would be the end of this guy. No. The next day, 
we went to Ren Fair. This is, you know, of course, before the pandemic. The Renaissance Fair was still open, and we love the Ren Fair. We actually have a whole podcast episode dedicated to the Ren Fair. If you guys are interested in listening to it, I'd highly recommend it. But yeah, so we're off at a Ren Fair, having a great time with the girls. Some of the girls are still at the house, and my roommate at the time, Giovanni, uh, was there, and I believe his partner, Renee, was there, and a friend of theirs, Amy, was there. And when we get back from the Ren Fair after a long day, great fun, Amy comes up and says, well, you know, your friend was here. And I said, what friend? The guy, the, the window guy that you were talking about yesterday. And I said, oh, yeah, he came back. And she said, yeah. She said, but it's the strangest thing. I caught him walking around the garden, like around the back of the house. And I went up to him and I was like, what? She said, what the hell do you think you're doing? And he was like, oh, um, do you guys have any uh, water? Do you have any water that I could drink? Because I'm really thirsty. And she said, no, you can't have any water. And he said, oh, I was just back here, you know, checking out your dog because you have this dog on the property. And she was like, okay, but you cannot be here. You're actively trespassing at this point. And he was like, well, I was just here because I was looking to see if I could uh, see Isabella and talk to Isabella specifically. And she was like, okay, do you, what's your professional stuff here? Like, I want to see your credentials. I want to know who you are. And of course, on his clipboard was totally just a blank piece of paper. I'm not even joking. And she said, I know you're stalking and I am literally going to call the police on you. And he said, please don't call the police. I'm really sorry. Like, I'll admit to everything. And he said, look, I saw Isabella on a documentary online and I was really interested in the chateau, but I didn't know how to approach it. So he said, please don't tell my job of, because he actually did work for a window company, it turned out. He said, please don't actually tell the company because I don't want to get fired. I was just using the company as an excuse to get on property and to, you know, meet Isabella and, and talk to her and get to know her. And Amy said, you need to leave right now. So the guy leaves, like, he's gone. The strangest thing was when I got home and I was talking to her, I was like, the weirdest thing I said, I was like, I never told him my name. At any point while he was talking to me, he already knew it. He'd already done the research. He'd already done the background stuff to get there. So the point is, when people are set on a path, there's nothing nothing that you can really do about it except be vigilant and the most painful part of this story of course is that when women experience this or men they're told well you know you need to get a restraining order and i've done it i've gotten restraining orders in the past but my piece of advice to any of you listening if you ever unfortunately get in this position of serious stalking be aware restraining order is just a piece of paper it doesn't stop someone from actually coming on your property or doing what they need to do. It's just a step in a process that is very poorly managed in the legal system. And if someone really wants to come and do something to you or hurt it, hurt you, they can and they will do it. So it's better to be safe, whether it's, you know, honestly learning to use a firearm, having weapons in the house, having a good security system in place, having cameras keeping tracks on your conversations online to see if they go bad like we had another we've had a couple of bad stalk situations but another one we had was we had a um i'd actually just gotten out of a hospital was the irony and i was just home at the house and it was like 11 p.m at night and i saw these lights moving across the bedroom window and i thought well that's strange who would be at the house at 11 at night it's 
desperately late for a friend to show up, you know. And I get up, and I'm pretty drugged out at this point from the surgery, so I'm not really all there, and I have a bit of anxiety already underlying going on here. And Daniel, you know, he comes in too, and he, we go over to the window, and sure enough, there's this car there, and there's this guy screaming outside the front of the house, and I can hear him about how he's going to rape and kill me. And of course it's dark, so I have no idea who this person is. I have no idea what's going on. I've just gotten out of spending several weeks in the hospital very sick. And so it was like the most terrifying thing. I remember my heart was beating at a million miles a second. Like I thought I was gonna have a heart attack alone just from fear. And I, he's, you know, he's breaking stuff, throwing things around, screaming and all this. So of course we call the police. And by the time the police get there, the guy is gone. So we're, we're both really confused. We're like, well, who is this person? We just don't know. So we, well, very strange. Maybe it's someone random. Don't know. So, you know, we go to bed. And the next day, I wake up in the morning and I can hear it again. I kid you not. I can hear this guy screaming outside and throwing things. I look out the window and I can see the guy's got a gun, which is terrifying. He is throwing trash cans over fence. He's nearly gotten to my dog and has broken the fence and I am full on panic attack like I thought I was gonna die. That's really what was going, that was it. I was like, okay, this guy is gonna kill me. I don't know who it is. I didn't recognize him. I was like, I've never met this person in my life and they're talking about raping and killing me and that that is their intention. So we call the police again, same thing. The guy leaves this time. The police, they dust fingerprints on the uh, trash cans and everything. We put in a report, and then lo and behold, you know, Daniel's going through his Facebook, opens up his messenger, and there in, you know how there's like the other's inbox, which is like this hidden inbox that you don't usually see because Facebook hides it from you, so unless you directly know where to find it or access it, you won't see these messages because they're usually classified by Facebook as spam or whatever. So there are these messages in there, and it's a slow, steady thing from this guy, and he's like, I know where you live, and I'm ex-military, and it's obviously this guy's got extreme PTSD, but I will add, someone that we'd never met in our entire lives, we'd never done anything to this person, let alone enough to have this person try and come and kill us or threaten to rape me, and it was really intense stuff in it you could see it wasn't like it went over for months and it was just build up and build up about how he was going to come and hurt me and do this and that so it just goes to show in that very john lennon way as those of you guys know john lennon was part of a very famous band called the beatles very popular in the uk and the world in the 60s possibly one of the greatest bands to have ever existed but uh john lennon unfortunately he was married to yoko and um he got shot in the head in front of his apartment. And the crazy thing was, he got shot by someone who was a fan, someone who was dedicated and really loved him and everything he was doing. But that, that love, love and hate, are like I always say, it's this two-sided coin and they can very easily merge into one or the other. So his love and obsession turned into hatred, which then turned into, I have to find and kill this person, which is exactly what he did which is, you know, a terrible thing. And there are cases, whether it's men or women, especially celebrities, deal with this often, where they'll receive death threats and horrible things from strangers and people that they've never met. Because people feel like if they watch you online and they see you in a video or they listen to you, like you're listening to me in this podcast, that they know you and that that somehow gives them the right to have access to your life 
right? To be in a relationship, you hurt them, even if you know nothing about this person. It's it's a basic human psychology thing, but it's very dangerous. So I see we've, we've actually run over our 30 minutes here, so I'll wrap this up for you guys because I know it's a difficult conversation to go through, but I do think it's an important one that anyone should listen to so that they know how to deal with these situations. And the best thing that you can do is de-escalate. Do not engage with the person. If you think they're, they're being obsessive or unhealthy, you can be polite. You should never be aggressive or mean. Instead, you should be very nice and be like, hey, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, but and you need to make it clear, I'm not interested in you. There's no interest here. You know, and I wish you nothing but the best, etc. And that way, hopefully, the person will move on. If they don't do that and they're still messaging you, you can inform say, hey, look, you're scaring me. You can say that. This scares you. I'm going to block and remove you. And again, I'm asking you, please stop. If they comment on your stuff publicly on Facebook, comment publicly back and say, hey, this is unwarranted. I do not want this. And I'm documenting it. Take screenshots. If they send you letters, keep the letters. If they send you gifts, take photos of them so that you have all you need when you need to go to the police and you need to file that restraining order, which again is just a piece of paper, but you need to keep the paper trail so that the police will take you seriously. So that if that person needs to go to court or if they, you know, trespass and the key is really, this is going to sound terrible. You cannot catch a person until they really trespass. Like they have to have threatened you, threatened your life, threatened to kill you, or have actually been on your property. You know, once they get on your property, then you can do something about it. That one story I had with a guy who was outside of the venue, sitting in the car waiting for me. I couldn't leave the house because I was so terrified. And we called the police because he's literally just sitting across the road in a car. He'd already threatened to bring a weapon, firearm to the nightclub and to shoot everyone and then himself. So he was a threat to others and himself. He'd already said all this online. The police come, we're like, hey, there is this guy who's threatened to shoot everyone up and he's sitting in this car just waiting and we've told him to leave and he will not leave so that's why we called you the police and the police guess what they say oh there's nothing that we can do about this because he's not on the property he's across the road from the property and just like what how does that even work you know and they're like oh well the second he steps on the grass just let us know and we'll come back i'm like are you serious for real that's the way the system works because that to me is too late because if you wait till that person steps on your grass then you're done for. And I will say I'm glad that I live in Colorado and that we do have self-defense. So if you have to shoot someone in the head because they're on your property, especially if they break into your house, you can do so for real. So just keep that in mind. Like if you get to this point, get the restraining order. Make sure you inform a person you are blocking them. Inform friends and family. Make sure you share those screenshots. They'll say, I'm afraid of this person. Make sure your local nightclubs are aware. That way they can ban the person from a nightclub. And we've done that many times in Colorado, where somewhere we've actually been able to successfully ban the person for real stalking. I'm not talking about vague things where the person is actually broken into someone's house, gone on a property, sent death threats. You need that solid evidence to get to that point. So keep that in mind. Document everything. But most of all, be proactive and take care of yourself. You are the priority there and your safety is number one priority. Trust your gut. If someone is making you uncomfortable, whether it's in a nightclub or something, avoid that person. Do not engage with them. Tell your friends. Inform security. Do what you need to do to feel safe. 
So there, we've now we've now gotten to 35 minutes and I appreciate you guys sticking along on this difficult journey here. And I'm actually kind of glad that we discussed it tonight because it is something that I am dealing with and I have dealt with multiple times now in my life. So it's nice to be able to to voice that. So if ever anything, God forbid, ever did happen to me, at least you guys would listen to my story here a bit and be like, okay, that's kind of why that happened, you know. And I do think it's important to be able to do that. So, sincerely, thank you for taking the time to listen to me tonight, guys. I appreciate you, and I love you, and stay safe out there, okay? Take care, and good night. <laughs>